Well, I'm going to invite you, if you have a Bible, to turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. And uh, we're going to dive back into a study of the Ten Commandments. We started a study back in the summer. And, uh, and in that time, we looked really at the first four of the commandments. And uh, this morning, we're going to start the second half of that. And we're going to look at the, the last six of the commandments. So starting today with the fifth commandment, um, Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. And, you know, a lot of times we read it, you know, read it, and it's a real long passage. This morning, it's just one verse. It's really short. Uh, so let me go ahead and read the fifth commandment from Exodus 20. Simply, honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And that's the scripture. That's the principle. Uh, let me pray. Father, I thank you for the privilege that we have to come together today. Father, to be able to study this, I thank you for the things that you're teaching me, for the principles that you lay out for our lives and for our culture. Father, I pray now your blessing in our time and our, dis our discussion. I pray that your spirit would speak through me and in spite of me. Father, I pray that you would have, allow each one of us to have hearts that are open to hear what you want to speak to us this morning. Father, I pray your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. And we have this commandment, and it seems pretty forward. It's, you know, it's, a lot of people say, what's it say? And a lot of people would say, well, it's, you know, it's really just some people sum up, well, children, obey your parents. And, and, uh, but I want you to notice that if you look at the passage, if you look at the text, it doesn't have the word children in it. It doesn't have the word obey in it. And so we look at it and say, well, what is it saying? If it's, that's our interpretation, maybe it says something more. What we're finding is throughout the Ten Commandments, really all of them, say more than what it seems at first. They're, they all go far deeper than what seems obvious at the face, face, uh, face value. And we're going to find that here as well. But before we dive deeply into this commandment, what I want to do is to take a moment to step back and see this commandment in relationship to the whole. You know, we started the series again, and we talked about some ideas, uh, these principles of how we are to view the Ten Commandments. And, and we've talked about how, you know, it's common for people when they think of the Ten Commandments to think of them primarily as ten rules that God gives us. And these ten moral laws that God wants us to follow. And, uh, and there's a sense where they are that, but they're also far more than that. See, even think about when God gave them. He gave them to the people of Israel on Mount Sinai, Exodus 20. And, and at that time, you've got to remember that the people of Israel had been in slavery for 400 years. Now, God was bringing them out of Egypt, out of slavery. He was bringing them to the promised land where he was going to establish them as a new nation. Up until that time, they had never existed as a nation. Therefore, they didn't have any form of government. They didn't have any laws. They didn't have any kind of constitution. And God is now bringing them into this, into this new land and saying, okay, before I give you anything else, I'm going to give you these 10, ten principles. Not just rules. They're 10 principles that I want to give you that are going to serve as the building blocks of your, your lives and of your culture. And so they're not just 10 recommend, recommendations. They're not even just 10 rules. They're more than that. They're these foundational principles, foundational truths. And so when we think of the Ten Commandments, that's what we need to think of them as these foundational pr principles that he gave his people, but not only his people, still now 3,000 years later, they're still the same foundational truths that God gives to us that he wants us to build our lives upon, to build our families, and to build our culture. And if we build our lives and our culture on these things, then 
then they are principles that will work for us. They will be foundations that will help us to build lives and cultures that are healthy and that are happy. But on the other hand, if we forget them, if we for, for, you know, break them, we won't have those foundations and the problem is going to be disastrous. In fact, as we've talked about this, you know, we talked about in the first series that, um, that we can think of the Ten Commandments a lot like a game of Jenga. And, and uh, you know, some people are like, yeah, we missed the Luke and, and Joe on there playing their game of Jenga to begin off. And, and, and we had this giant Jenga set up on stage and, and uh, moved it off a little bit, you know, so the, we didn't block the choir in the first service. And, and, um, yeah, but here's the idea. When you think of Jenga, you think of, you know, you know I can remove a brick, and, and I've got to be careful, but there are certain blocks that in the course of the game become foundational in that, you know, you look at this one and this one, the whole weight of the tower rests on those blocks. And if I remove those blocks, it's impossible for the tower to stand. And in the same way, the principle is that God has established our life like a tower, and he has, he has built in several, numerous blocks that are foundations. And if we remove those, it's impossible for it to continue to stand. And now we think of, in the game of Jenga, you know, if I remove the block and if the tower comes down, well, that's bad, I lose the game. It's not a big deal. But when we're talking about building our lives, when we're talking about building our culture, if we remove the wrong foundation, suddenly our lives and our culture crumbles and falls, well, that's disastrous. That's a tragedy. Now, when you understand that, that helps explain so much of the confusion so much of the turmoil and the brokenness that's happening around us that we see in the news all the time nowadays. What we find is that, why are we struggling so much with so many issues? I think it's because we're removing these foundational principles from our culture, and now what we're seeing is the consequences. And so we see it, and all the confusion and brokenness, when you look at just over the last years, you know, we have all these different things that, that we have these crises and everything from, you know, people that are uh, increasing crime to some people are rejecting authority and, well, we wanted to fund the police and confusion and division over the LBGT movement to division over race and critical race theory to the distrust of the media to questions about mandates and vaccine mandates and lockdowns and which we should obey. And you have all these things. And when you look at all these controversies, I think all of them can, can be tracked back to principles, foundational principles, that if we understood those things, they help us understand all these other controversies. And the fact of the matter is, we're having such, you know, such problems because we've forgotten those truths. In some ways, you could look at it and say, all those things are important. We should talk about those things. But they're secondary issues. They grow out from something else. That's why we're calling the series the core issues. These are the core issues. These foundational blocks are the core things that if we settle these things, see, it's going to totally change the way that we look at those issues that are facing our culture today. Now, through this fall, we're not only going to be looking at this on Sunday mornings, uh, but we're actually going to be doing something on Sunday evenings that many weeks will kind, of, uh, will kind of work side by side what we're doing on Sunday morning. What we're going to do is we're going to dive into some of the hottest controversies of, uh, of our day, and we're going to be talking about, you know, issues and saying, okay, what is the core issue? And then how do we see, how do we understand? So next week, we're going to be looking at our response to authority and how do we respond to vaccine mandate, mandates? How should we view that? And, and the defund the police movement, the riots on January 6th. How, how, does, how does the biblical picture, the core issue, help us understand all those things? 
And so if you want to come, we invite you to do so. Each week we'll tell you what we're going to be talking about. But it's going to be very open, question and answer. You know, anything that you want to talk about related to that subject is going to be on the table. And so that's going to start next Sunday, 6 to 7 here. You can join us online as well if you can't make it here in person. And, um, and so, so these are important. Now, even as we understand the importance of the foundational, let me also look back at, at how we look at this commandment, the unique, comma- unique importance of the fifth commandment. Because again, one of the ideas that we've talked about over the summer is that while they are all important, um, you know, there's a, there's a division. And there's a significance to that division. And, and, and you have to understand how those fit together. See, in the Bible, it tells us that when God gave Moses the commandments, he gave them in two tablets, tablets that God literally wrote. Look what it says in Exodus 31. And he, had given them, he gave to Moses, when he had finished speaking with him on the Mount of Sinai, the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. Over the years, artists have often reproduced the Ten Commandments and you know, something you can have in your home or stones that you can put in, the, in the, uh, your yard or something. And usually they have two tablets and they divide it into two. So you have one through five on one side, six through ten on the other because that just makes sense that you divide it, you know, five on one side, five on the other. But most scholars, when they study this, disagree because most disagree that, and most, most believe that what you see is in the Ten Commandments is that they're naturally divided by theme, by the focus. You see, when you look at the first four commandments, the first four which we looked at before, all dealt with our relationship with God. You know, don't worship any other gods, don't make any idols, don't misuse the name of God, you know, keep the Sabbath. They all deal with our relationship with God. It's all about the vertical element. And then when you look at the last six, they all deal with our relationship with each other, the horizontal element of our life. Everything from honoring father and mother and don't murder, don't commit adultery, steal, don't lie, don't covet. All of them are relational. So when you look at this, you say, okay, this is why we dealt with the first part in the summer. This is part two of the series, the second second tablet. Now, there is a priority of the first. Because the idea is, is that if you want to have good relationships with each other, it starts by having a good relationship with God. If you are right with God, your relationships with other people will be a lot better. If you are aligned with the first four commandments, the last six will be easier. If you're out of line, if you struggle with the first four, you're going to struggle with the last six. So there is a relationship. But even now when we look at the second, whole, the second uh, tablet, and there's a principle that okay, the, the, the earlier ones are in a sense of greater importance, so there's a sense that it's not that God just said, well, I've got 10. Well, which one should I start with? Well, I'll start with this, and any order is okay. No, he gives us the earlier ones, and in a sense, to go back to Jenga, they're all foundational blocks, but the earliest ones are at the bottom of the foundation. So when we talk about our relationship with each other, the bottom one at the core of the foundation is honor your father and mother. Now, let me ask you, does that surprise anyone? I don't know about you, but if I would have thought, okay, what should be at the beginning? I think you'd start with don't murder. But why is it that honoring your father and mother is seen as even more foundational than don't murder? We have to ask, what is it teaching? Now, some people, again, the simple idea would be a lot of people say, well, it's teaching kids to obey their parents, and we need to have obedient kids. And Well, that's important, but even if we, that was it, again, we said it doesn't talk about kids and it doesn't talk about obey, but even in that, then we struggle, well, what's that look like? Because if you say, well, if he's telling kids to obey their parents, 
And this was given again 3,000 plus years ago on Mount Sinai uh, to people that were wandering through wilderness. They didn't have cell phones and they didn't have social media and they didn't have all the things that our kids are facing today. You see, it was a different world and, and uh, how do we apply it today? And, and, and if we're trying to figure it out, we're always trying to find the person that's new and relevant and can speak to today because, because things have changed, right? I even found somebody that talked a little bit about this whole issue of parenting and, and um, I have a short video, and, but it's not a, an expert giving advice. It's actually a guy named Tim Hawkins uh, who's more of a comedian and, and giving a perspective on parenting and the challenges that we face today. Sometimes parents would just fail at advice. I remember my mom when I was a kid. She used to give me good advice too late. <laughs> Think about it. Good advice too late. Like when I was a kid, I hit my head on the corner of the table. <laughs> Careful! <laughs> Imagine kids not whining. No screaming fits or squeals. When they don't get the toy they want In their happy meals Imagine all the parents Burning down Chuck E. Cheese God gave me this song They just make up games like they want to hurt themselves. They do. I'm like out in the backyard one time. My son comes out. Hey, Dad, throw that brick at me and see if I can get out of the way. Great. Game. It's called Dodge Brick. It's great. Fling one right at my head and don't tell me when you throw it. I'll try to listen for the whiz. Don't you judge me. Because it wasn't until that brick left my hand, I was thinking, this is probably not a good idea. <laughs> Careful! <laughs> yeah. You know, we can laugh at some of the challenges of parenting, and, and certain things don't change, certain things do. I doubt if, you know, I know that the children of Israel, they weren't worried about Happy Meals and toys and Chuck E. Cheese, and you have to, you have, to have gone to Chuck E. Cheese to appreciate that joke. Um, you know, but on the other hand, I don't know about the brick game. I don't know if they dealt with that or not. And Some things change, but in a sense, some things don't. And to figure out what it means and how we're to apply it today and the, the, the meaning that transcends the 3,000-plus years since it is given, we've got to step back and say, what is it actually saying? What is it actually saying? And part of it is when we talk about honor, and I think it's talking about respect. And, and clearly, we have a problem with respect. And we look at our culture, and do kids respect kids? Do they respect their parents? Do they respect... It's a problem. But even in this, it's not a new problem. It may seem like it is. And, and let, me, let me even share a quote from someone who was commenting on, on, uh, on this problem and his perspective. He said this, um, Youth today love luxury. 
They have bad manners, contempt for authority, no respect for older people, and talk nonsense when they should work. Young people do not stand up any longer when adults enter the room. Uh, they contradict their parents, talk too much in company, guzzle their food, lay their legs on the table, and tyrannize their elders. Now, you look at it and say, man, that guy's got today's youth. Well, the guy that said that was a guy named Socrates, who was a Greek philosopher 400 years before Jesus. And so you look at it and say, in one sense, things have really changed in the last 10 years, in the last 50 years, and, but in another sense, they really haven't changed too much over the last 2,500, over the last 3,000 years. Because what we're dealing with is we're dealing with the problem of sin nature. And, and while the unique temptations of our culture may change and the unique challenges that we face, at the core, it's always down to a sin nature issue. And that we're all dealing with a sin nature and, and some people would say, well, because they have the sin nature, our kids, well, they're going to rebel, and we just need to let them, and we just need to go through that and ride out the storm and hope they come back. And, but again, I want you to see that from a biblical perspective, it's actually, that's not the right pa pattern. And, and actually, this is a big issue. Let me go to Romans chapter 1. When Romans chapter 1, you have Paul talking about um, the, what it looks like when a culture removes God. So when they take God, when they take God out as the center uh, cornerstone of their culture, when they remove that foundation, he describes a culture that falls apart. And look at what he says. He says, um, furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. And they have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanders, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. I don't know about you. It's like you've got this whole list, and you're like, man, that's some terrible stuff, and then disobey their parents at the end. And, and usually that's one that we just say, oh, that's kind of normal. And what you need to see is that what God is saying here through Paul is that this is not normal. That what you see is that this is foundational. That, that it's not just an issue that we should expect this, but we realize that right in the middle of this culture falling apart, one of the core things is we lose respect for parents. And in fact, we see this not only here, but let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And here you have Paul talking about what it's going to look like at the end times, at the times when everything falls apart. And look at what he describes the problems being. Mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy. So this is an important issue. It's a foundational issue. It's something that we need to see as a brick in our culture. And we can't make light of this because if this brick is taken out, see the culture is coming down. And ultimately, we see that it's not just a cultural issue, because when you see it's something that he said 3,000 years ago, you have Socrates saying 2,500 years ago, and all throughout all history, we see that it's a sin nature problem, and the question is, how are we guiding our children, and what are we teaching? See, this is a foundational issue that you see that God made us the foundation back 3,000 years ago when he gave us this commandment, honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord God has given you. So to try to figure that, this out, we've got to say, what is it teaching? Okay, what is this teaching? Um, now, I want you to see, again, a couple things. Most people say, let's teach your children to obey their parents. Number one, it's not, children isn't in here. This is not a call just to children. 
It's to all of us. If you have a father and mother, this is to you. All right, now there's an application to children we're going to see, and there's different applications at different stages of life. And, and in this, I want you to see it's also not calling us to obey. There's nothing in here about obeying. And so whatever it's calling us to, it's saying that there's something different than obeying. It's calling us what? To honor. That's the heart of the command. Now, what does it mean to honor your parents? Um, it, it, there's a lot of things it's not. It doesn't mean that we necessarily have to have affection. It doesn't mean that we have to respect them. Some of you, if you have parents that are, you know, just really been poor parents that, that are not biblical in any way, it doesn't mean that you have to listen to their advice. It doesn't mean you have to obey them. We're going to see different things at different stages, but it doesn't say if your parents tell you to do something, you have to do whatever they, they wish. So what is honor? And we struggle with this because we don't talk about honor anymore in our culture. Think, if you're in the military, you hear about honor a lot. Outside of the military, how often do you hear about honor? When's the last time you used the word honor in, a, in any sentence? When's the last time you heard someone use honor other than in a military context, honoring our soldiers? We don't talk about it. Now, you don't have to go back real long in our history to remember a time when honor was far more significant. So if anybody that's 60 years or older would remember that it used to be that you would go to school, and the first thing you do would go to school, and they would have you stand up in the beginning of the, t of the day, and you would put your hand over your heart, and you recite the Pledge of Allegiance, because they were teaching you to honor the country. We don't do that anymore. Or it used to be, it's, in, it's really funny, if you go and watch an old movie, any movie or TV show that was made 1950 or before, and if it has a scene with a classroom, you know, it's funny, as you'll see... All the kids will be there, the teacher will walk in, all the kids will stand up at their desk until the teacher takes their seat and they'll sit back down. Because that used to be the case. They would teach your children to honor their teachers by standing and showing honor to the position as teachers. We don't do that anymore. In fact, we have another problem. Uh, there was a survey done in 19, or 2019 of 3,400 teachers from the, across the United States. It found that 25% of them had been victims of physical abuse or violence. Now, I wonder if there's a relation between not teaching to honor our teachers and the fact now not, we have not honor, but we're actually abusing teachers. You see, there's a problem, and if you remove that brick, its consequence is significant. So what is honor? Well, let's just go to the very word. If we go to the word that is in the Hebrew Bible, where you have, you know, this command was given in Hebrew, the, the Hebrew word was kavit. It doesn't come out real well here. Um, and it simply means to be heavy or weighty. Now, it doesn't mean that you tease your parents about how much weight they've gained. That's not the point. Um, it, it means to be heavy, to make weighty. It means to give honor uh, by giving a person the weight or significance uh, by recognizing that a person possesses such weight. It's the idea that there's weight or significance in the role that they have. It's not something that is earned. It's something that is given. There's a weight and significance on the role of parenting that God has placed there. So even if you have a person that has not acted honorably, they have a role that is worth honor, that is worthy of honor. And that's what God is telling us here. Um, you know, so, so it's you know, giving the weight that's due their position. Now, this sounds strange, but we actually use this concept in our own speech you all probably have. How many times have you heard someone say, they don't give me an ounce worth of respect? We've heard that, right? And what is it saying? We in our mind actually can, you know, relate the idea of weight 
and respect. And so we have an idea that, okay, if, you know, there's a proper amount, a proper weight of respect that's due. An ounce is a little bit, a pound is good, you know, 100 pounds. If you have somebody that's really, man, I give them a ton of respect. A ton is great. And we understand those ideas go together. And that's what the Bible is saying here is that we've got to realize that God has created the position of father and mother, and he has put a ton of weight in that, in that position. And so man, no matter who they are, it's really heavy, and what we need to do is we need to treat them with the proper honor. Now, on the other hand, okay, what's the opposite? Dishonor. Well, if it's weight, the opposite is when we dishonor is when we take someone lightly, when we treat them lightly. And, and I think about even this with, uh, with one of my kids at one time. You know, we were trying to tell them to do something and instructing him, and she started talking, and I said, well, no, you've got to listen here. And I, I started to correct her, and she said, don't interrupt me. You interrupted me. You shouldn't interrupt me. And I'm like, okay, wait a second. We're not peers here, all right? Okay, you know, you show me honor, and I'm the parent, and I have the right to interrupt you. You know, I've got the right to do that. You don't have the right to interrupt me. And the fact is, don't take me lightly like a peer. Now, you've got to realize that I'm going to insist as a parent that I have a, I have a lot more weight than you do. And that's something that we need to do as, as parents. Now, this command is also then repeated in the New Testament. In the New Testament, it's written in Greek. And so the Greek word for honor is the word tomeo. And it means fixing or recognizing the right value upon a person or a thing's worth. Now, let me even take this idea and, and kind of take something. Some of you, I don't know if you're a public, broad, broad, or public TV person, uh, but a show that's been on public TV for a long time, uh, some of you might have watched, is, is Antique Roadshow. And the whole idea of Antique Roadshow is you've got, you know, this, you know, PBS, they'll have experts that will go to locations and say, okay, you can come, and people will bring all this old stuff that's, you know, that's in their, in their uh, you know, their, their basement, and it's been gathering dust, and or something that they think is a value, and you try to take it to them, and you have these experts to tell you if it's valuable or not. I have this really old thing, and sometimes they'll say, well, no, it's just a piece of junk, it's nothing. And sometimes they'll say, well, here's this little plate. Oh, this was from the you know, you know, Ming Dynasty in China, and it's this old, this old, it's worth thousands of dollars. It's really priceless. Something that you were treating as worthless is really priceless. Now, here's the idea. What makes it priceless? What brings the value? Well, who made it? Well, if it was made by an artist, you might have this little painting and you think it's nothing, but if you find out it was painted by a, master, you know, by a masterpiece or you know, by a great artist, suddenly it's a masterpiece worth a ton. The value is in who made it, and the question is, do we recognize the value that it has? All right, now let's take the issue here. Who made the position of father and mother? God did. And God has put great value to that. God says, okay, this is something that when you honor this position, you're honoring me. You're honoring me, and therefore, I want you to recognize the worth and the value. So that's the basic principle, honor. But then what's it look like? And what we're going to see next week is that this is actually this broad principle that has application way beyond the family. We're going to look at that next week. But let's start simply this week, and let's look at it within the family. What does it mean to honor our father and mother? What is this calling us to within the family? And what we're going to see, we need to see is that at different stages of life, it's calling us to different things. So the first is the most obvious, where we think of, okay, what are we teaching our children? What about young children, children living at home, children who are still dependent upon their parents and therefore still under their authority? 
Now, let me go to, again to the New Testament where this is restated. Paul restates this commandment in Ephesians chapter 6, but specifically he then restates it and then gives it an application specifically to young children. Ephesians 6 verse 1, children, and it literally is young children, not just offspring, younger children, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. So it's stating the promise, the command, and then saying, okay, now applied towards younger children, for you to honor your parents, it means that you have to start by obeying them. So there is an obedience. There's an obedience that says, okay, God has placed you in his authority over me, and that means that when you tell me to do something, that our children are called to obey us, to do what we say, to in a sense assume that the instructions that their parents are giving them are right and appropriate. Well, why? Because God has put us over them. And it's then a matter of not only obeying and doing the right thing, but doing it with the right attitude. Because sometimes we can have our kids disobey, and sometimes they obey with the wrong attitude. Sometimes they just, you know, I remember, you know, we have this one story with our, one, our oldest where, you know, she is one years old, and she's watching her favorite TV show, Barney, and, um, and you know, we tell her, hey, Tiffany, it's time to turn it off, and come, we're going to have dinner. And she kept watching it. I said, Tiffany, we told her a couple times. And so finally, you know, I come down and I kneel down and I look at her. I said, Tiffany, I told you it's time to have dinner. We're going to turn off Barney. I turned it off. And she whacked me in the face. I mean, she just, well, and, and you look at that and you say, okay, where did that come from? I'm not teaching my one-year-old to do this. And now what you have is you have, there was a problem not only of not coming, but there is a problem not only of hitting me, but of disrespect. And so you look at that and you say, there is a big issue. Because I could sit there and say, okay, you know, she could have the attitude of doing that, but if she has that disrespect of I'm coming with my words or with my action. See, we've got to recognize that we're teaching our kids not only to, to obey, but to honor. And if you're a child at home, God's called you to not only obey, but to honor. And here's this difference. Obedience just focuses on shaping behavior. So I can do the right things and still dishonor. My heart's wrong, but honor focuses on shaping the heart. That I recognize that God has, has called, called me to submit myself to this authority over me, and, and I'm going to do what I need to do. Now, here's the question. When we honor parents, does it mean that we do it because the parents are always right? Kids, are your parents always right? Are they always going to be right? Do you obey them and honor them because they're right all the time? No, they may not always be right. But you're called to honor them, not because they're right, but because God has given them that place of authority over you. Now, let's take that principle and apply it towards parents. Because while this is honor your father and mother, it also says to something to us who have children or who have even grandchildren that are under authority. And that means that when we look at this application of parents with young children, it means that we have to teach them not only to obey, but also to honor. That, you know, that we need to realize that we're not only teaching them to have the right behavior, but to have the right heart attitude. I tell you, this was a huge mistake I made early in my parenting. Early in my parenting, I, I was uh, you know, trying to teach my kids manners and to be polite to people and to say thank you. And, to, and, and one thing I was doing is I was doing it to everybody but myself. You know, I somehow felt this you know, strange idea that, you know, I don't want to tell them to honor me because that was selfish in some way. And, and so I wasn't doing that. And I'm thankful I had someone who was close enough to me who saw it and who asked me about it and who lovingly got in my face about it and basically said, you are really wrong. 
and he pointed me to this commandment. And he said, you know, it's not about you, you know, making it about you and, and them giving you respect. You are responsible to teach them to honor you as a dad. God has placed significance and authority and respect in this position of a dad, and you need to defend that. You need to teach them to honor you because the role that you have is significant. And so when we look at this, it's teaching them to obey. Why? Because in honoring us as parents, that's a way that we're starting to teach them to honor God. Now, we have to understand this as parents because a lot of times the reasons that we give our kids to obey us are not very good reasons. Okay, for those who have young kids, how many of you can think, okay, how many of us have taught our kids that they should obey us basically because we're bigger? There's going to be some discipline. You know, you need to do this, and if you're not, you're going to have this discipline, and there's going to be some consequence, and I'm bigger, and well, that works until they get bigger than you. Or we, how many of us have argued that you should obey because I know better than you? You know, boy, I've been alive, and God put me here, and I, I have all these experiences. You don't know the experiences that I have, and, and so we try to reason with them that we know better, and that's why they should obey. But what happens when they become a teenager and they think that they know better than you? And they think that your knowledge is out of date, and suddenly there's no reason to obey. Or, uh, you know, sometimes it's out of volume or out of fear, or in our, in our family it was the golden rule. You know, my dad would tell us all the time, the gold rule, you know what that is? He who has the gold makes the rules. You're dependent on me, I make the rules. You know, if you want me to, you know, pay for anything, if you want to eat, you follow my rules. And, and again, that works, but what happens when I get a job? See, all those things work temporarily. Why is it that God calls us to obey? Let's look back at Ephesians. What does it say? Why do we teach our children? Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for it is right. Because this is God's established order. And then he goes and he gives the fifth commandment again. Honor your father and mother. This is the way that God has set things up. So why are we to obey? Because God has established that, that I am the authority over my children. And my children obey God by obeying me. So I remember even one time with one of my kids, we had, you know, she was arguing with us, and she was just convinced that what I was saying was wrong. She wanted to do something. I said, no, she was just convinced that I was out of touch, I was wrong. And she was saying, but what if you're wrong? And if you're wrong, then this is a bad decision. And I remember you know, just praying, and God gave me the, you know, this perspective at that moment of just, of just telling her, listen, I might be wrong. But God doesn't tell me, tell you should obey me because I'm right. He tells me that you should obey me because I'm your parent. One day I have to answer to God for everything that I do as a dad. One day God will hold me accountable for the advice and the decisions and the rules that I give you. I have to answer to God for everything. You have to answer to God as long as you're a child here at home. You have to answer to God for how you've obeyed me. Not for whether I'm right or wrong. I have to answer for whether I'm right or wrong, whether I really sought his counsel, whether I really am trusting in him. You have to answer to how well you've obeyed me. Because that's the established order that God has. So we have to teach that. We have to model that. But it's not only that, but recognizing, again, this commandment is just for kids. It's for all who have a father and mother. Honor your father and mother, children and adults. Now, the challenge in this is some people, you might have great parents, and, and it's a privilege to be able to honor the, your parents when you have wonderful parents. God's blessed me with wonderful parents. I love to honor them. Not all of us have. 
And so you deal with people and you say, well, what happens when I don't have God's godly parents and they hurt me in some way and they wrong me and I don't respect them? Again, God doesn't call us to love them. He doesn't call us to, to, you know, to, to, you know, you know, to listen to all their advice, to obey them. He calls us to honor, no matter what kind of parent they are, no matter what age we are. He calls us to honor. Now, what does that mean? Simply a couple things. It means starting by recognizing they deserve weight and honor because of their position. That God has placed them in the position of father and mother, and that has tremendous weight and value. And we recognize the weight and value that God has placed there. And that means, if possible, that we try to have a relationship with them. That means that, if possible, that even if they've wronged us, that we're willing to forgive them, and we try to do that as much as possible as far as it depends on us. That we're willing to go there. That we're willing to let God, you know, heal wounds that are there. It means that we take a passage like Philippians 4.8 where it talks about, you know, that we look at the things that are good and lovely and excellent and praiseworthy. Think about these things. We could all sit there and think about all the things that my, our parents did were wrong and dwell on that. And What are the good things that God is doing in their life? What is praiseworthy? What is good? Honor them by honoring those things. And as our parents get older, it means caring for their needs. Think about in Matthew chapter 15, Jesus confronted the Pharisees because they weren't taking care of their parents' physical needs. You know, you're saying, well, you're giving money to God, but you're not being responsible to your first priority, which is caring for your parents as they get older. 1 Timothy 5, it, uh, Paul talks about the church's responsibility to help care for the needy. And, and he said, you know, you know, it's great that you're caring for, the, you know, for uh, widows and children, and, but you've got to start by caring for your family. Take care of your family first. That is a starting point where we honor. But then as we do this, we go back and you say, it ultimately comes back with understanding a relationship that's at the foundation of all the other relationships and how this all works together. And by that, I mean that there's one relationship that shapes our understanding of all the other relationships. As a child, you know what that is? That's our relationship with our parents. So we're going to look at this even more next week and seeing how we view our parents and honoring them impacts how we view all other authorities. It even impacts our view of God. And so it's a really, really important idea. It impacts everything. So that even there are many people, some of you here, you know, you might have, you know, your parents weren't reliable, your parents weren't trustworthy, and you have a hard time really trusting God. You have a hard time with God because of some of the scars that you have. You understand how deep that is? Go talk to any professional counselor. You ask them, what do you talk about more than anyone else? Well, people are coming and they've got mom and dad issues. They've got scars from their past because of things that were there that have impacted us. Now, that's as children. And for many of us, that continues to be the case as we go into adulthood, but it doesn't need to be, and it even shouldn't be. You know why? Because when we look at this commandment, the fifth commandment, starting in our relationship with each other, honor your father and mother, is built on the first four, which starts with have no other gods before me. You know, worship me, have a relationship with me. And God, how does God call us to relate to him? How does he reveal himself as our father? That he wants a relationship where, especially for many, where you have scars and where you have things that are, you know, there, that it's like, man, my parents weren't there and, and they've redefined me in the, or, or, or defined me in the wrong way. Come into this relationship with God. Let him be the father that you always long for. Let him be the father that you always should have had. He's the perfect father that will never let you down. 
But that might mean that we let him redefine what that father is and what that relationship is. Where we let him redefine what it even means to have that close trusting relationship where we couldn't trust our our dad, but now here's a father that I can trust. That we start to put things back together. And we realize that at the end of the day, what do I do? The more I grow as an adult, I realize that it's all rooted on honoring my heavenly father, which teaches me to honor my earthly father and mother, which teaches me to honor all the other relationships. That is the key relationship. That is the key foundation that is at the foundation of all other relationships. I simply said, you may be here today and you're like, man, I've got this problem. I want to fix this thing with my parents. I want to fix it with my you know, it's friend. I've got, I want to fix this with my kids. I've got these marriage. I've got these relationships I need to fix. My friends, I want to challenge you. You've got to start by fixing your relationship with God. If your relationship with God is right, everything else is going to get a whole lot easier. And until you fix that, you're going to be working, you're swimming upstream. God wants a relationship with you. The whole gospel is that God is pursuing you to have a relationship with you. Yes, we're separated by our sin, but that's why Jesus died on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven, so we could have a relationship with him. My friends, if you don't have that relationship, I want you to realize that God is inviting you. He is a father reaching out to you and saying, I want to forgive you. I want this relationship. I want to be the father that you always love for. Will you trust me? Will you embrace me? Will you follow me? Start by building that relationship. That's the core of it all. For many of us, there may be, you may even have that, but then it's learning to be able to say, how do I redefine what's true? How do I redefine all the other relationships by growing my relationship with God where he is my father? And the more that I understand that he is the perfect heavenly father, it helps me understand even what it means to honor earthly family, what it means to honor earthly authority and every other relationship that we're going to see uh, uh, come out and and explained in the the weeks to come. Do you have that relationship with God? Have you walked away from him? He invites you back today. I hope that you accept that invitation.